0: Welcome to the Sermon B-Side podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon.
1: And welcome to another week of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. My name is Steve King. Alongside me is Matt Luloyan. Matt, welcome to a hey, beautiful morning, Monday morning. Welcome to a new week
0: on the B-Side Podcast. It is a beautiful morning. It is Holy Week. Holy Week. Getting ready for our Good Friday and Easter celebrations uh, at the end of this week. Um, it is also right after Palm Sunday in our, our big Easter Outreach Block Party we got to do Saturday. Yes, I was going to
1: bring that up. I, I
0: Did you notice that the tent blew down?
1: I, I you know, Well, okay, so big news on in the church parking lot this morning right i don't know if you saw us on twitter or not uh-huh. um yeah so when i came in this morning or yesterday morning before church yes, the yes, tent yes, was down yeah. and i thought well maybe we had the group come in Take it down, just like let, let's get it down to the ground before we clean it up. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll clean up in the afternoon or sometime. Came in this morning, still on the ground. I was like, no, apparently not an intentional plan. It just, I think,
0: I think the deacons are rolling their eyes right now. Like Steve, we don't do shoddy work. We do. <laughs> no, I,
1: well, that's honestly, I, I, I totally agree. I said that this morning. I said, I said, like, not, not. Yeah. What you would have expected to see. Yeah. Um, but when I saw, when I came in yesterday morning, I was like, well, it's been a windy weekend. Maybe they're just like, hey, let's just get down to the ground as fast as we For can. For sure, yeah. And then we'll clean it, you know, we'll, like, pack it up. Yeah. Um, but apparently the
0: wind was the only... Was I think the wind, <laughs> I think the Saturday night wind, gusts yes. took it out. Thankfully, it stayed up and perfectly safe during the entire Easter Outreach Block Party. So that's why you tie it down, right? That's <laughs> yes. why it's tied down. Because we were, we were just kind of laughing this morning.
1: In any other direction than just down, it probably is a problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit of room between us and the mercantile. It could have gone that way, maybe. I mean, li- yeah. otherwise it's on fifteen. There's even
1: less room to fifteen. Less, less room to the house room. that's right next door to us. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure they would not have appreciated either
0: direction would right. have appreciated that.
1: So uh the tent the tent came down. Yeah. Uh we still yep, we'll have to we'll have to pack that up still. But a great
0: uh yeah. we threaded the needle
1: man uh on Saturday with the weather for the block party. Yeah,
0: that was incredible. Great, a great few hours, gorgeous weather that day, and great, yeah, it was a great turnout of volunteers from folks at liberty so thank you to all of you who came out and helped out with that or did some of the pre-work for it or the the teardown work from it um thanks especially to anthony wright and the team that that uh helped pull the whole thing together because man there was just a lot of work that went into that and it went really well yeah and um it was a real joy to see then all of the families that came from all over central pa i met some people from manheim and Mm -hmm. millersville so we got perry county we got lancaster county we got like all over so um awesome it was a great group, and uh, I think we estimated around a hundred people, like adults yeah. and kids, that came out from uh, connections through Bear Foundation and Safe Families, and so um, yeah, that was that was a fantastic. We, like we were okay.
1: thirty or so minutes, forty five minutes into it, and I was on the side where the tent was, yeah. by the popcorn machine. Nice, um, you know, uh, just making sure that was up to standard. Yeah, quality assurance, quality control, quality control of the popcorn uh-huh. machine. And um, I was like, man, there's not a lot of people here yet. But then I turned the corner to the other side where check-in was and where the games were. It, people were flooding in, uh-huh. you know, pretty much on time. It was great to see. It great was. to see a number of people, and yeah, fun, fun day from start to finish. Yeah, it was really was. good. But we threaded the needle because in the morning on Saturday, yeah. Like cold, raining, yep. and then Saturday night, windy enough to, to take morning. a tent a tent down <laughs> the ground. So, uh, yeah, we ended up with a great day.
0: It was it was really good, and 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 now looking forward to you and turning our our sights toward uh, toward this weekend. And we have a good Friday service uh, five thirty on Friday, and then our Easter sur- Sunday services um, Sunday morning. Yeah, H- a hike in between. It's great. Yeah. Should be a great week.
1: Yeah. Uh, we continued yesterday in our series in 1 John. Yeah. And you preached 1 John 2, the end of chapter 2 into chapter 3.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we got a couple questions in before we get to those. Maybe run through that 90-second summary of the sermon from yesterday.
0: Yeah, it was really just an exposition of kindergarten cop.
1: Yes, yes uh, it was. You pulled in a kindergarten. <laughs> I mean, you didn't want you, you did not do the impersonation. Which... I
0: can't do the impersonation. Can you not? No, i Arnold. Arnold.
1: Well who's the is no. there a comedian who says yeah. Everyone can do an impersonation of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Every, I mean,
0: everybody just kind of talks in a deep voice. Right. And kind of, yeah.
1: Well, the comedian says everyone can do an impersonation of Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he can't do an impersonation of someone pronouncing the word water. <laughs> Everything off. That's a great.
0: Right? Like that's he a great, can't. Right. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a great line. Yeah, it's a good. Well, line. And it, it actually brings me back to like the days where the internet was newer. I mean, you know, we're old now, Steve. That's right? true. Yeah. The internet was newer, and there were these like soundboards popping up that you could like do prank phone calls. Yes. Like call somebody, okay. and there was like an Arnold Schwarzenegger. You read board. about these? I'm sure you never did these. Oh, never. Yeah. Oh, okay, Hypothetically, right. oh, okay. I've heard Hypothetically, about this. Yeah. yeah. You would call someone, and then you could like have your computer speaker <laughs> yeah. up next to the headset, yes, right. you know, and and be pushing like different phrases yeah. from from Arnold Schwarzenegger movies that your yeah, daddy and what does he do? <laughs> yeah. That was a yeah. line. That's a good line. There you go. So Kindergarten Cop. Yeah. So that I mean I just use that as an as an opening. <laughs> but yeah. So we were so the text yesterday, John's really talking about our real identity that the, that we would know our real identity, and he's writing. There's really two potential audiences that would hear this. One would be. Christians that are, that are struggling to find the confidence and assurance they should have as children of God. Yeah. That we should not, we should have confidence at the second appearing of Jesus, not shrink back in shame. That we, we are children right now. And then because we are children now, what we will be, we don't even know yet, but it's this incredible, glorious future we have through Jesus. But he's also writing to people who uh, would claim to be Christians, would claim to be children of God, but are not and have false assurance. Uh, And and John, in in some really stark language, says, you know, um, how we actually live our lives, our practices prove our parentage. It proves who our spiritual father is, because we're all, at the end of the day, either children of God or children of the devil, um, which is a really bold and stark contrast that he paints there. And so he's, he's, throughout this text, talking about the way we broke it down yesterday, two fathers, uh, we either have God or Satan for a father, uh, two appearings. The, the truth that, that, that these identities are rooted in is, is what we understand and what we believe about the two appearings of Jesus. His first appearing, the incarnation, and then his second <clears> appearing, his glorious return. And then two practices, people who practice righteousness or people who practice sin. And it's by the evidence of our, of our life, it's by our practices that we, we prove, uh, our parentage. We prove who our spiritual father is. Yeah. Now, and then, Carrying forward on the on the twos, the two audiences, which you said, you said, yeah, that was were. like an extra two thrown into the conclusion there. Got yeah.
1: it. in my notes order, I'm like, you said those at the end, at the conclusion, right? Yeah. Okay, helpful. Yeah.
0: yeah, I snuck in like a fourth, a Got fourth it. pair, a yep.
1: fourth two. Yep, yep, that's good. Um, yeah, good, good sermon yesterday. We had some questions come in. Great. Um, and the first, the first, so the, the two questioners, part of their question was kind of related. So, like, Great. maybe I'll, yes. I'll summarize the first question. Um. And so maybe like I'll, I'll kind of just roll through and create some context here. So a, a line from the sermon with some of the lines of a Christian may fall into sin, but he will not walk in it. Um, the other questioner in the same vein said, you, you said a, a, t- a test for practicing righteousness as opposed to sinning is doing what is right and loving your father, saying that it doesn't make us a Christian, but born, a Christian, born again Christians will do this. And if you're practicing sin, you should question whether or not you're a child of God. Both of them kind of were like, Kind of getting to this question of how is it that a Christian can be of the right Father, be practicing righteousness, but also still living in sin? Like they are born again, but they're living in sin. What? How do we? How do we kind of connect those two? They both referenced Romans seven. Yeah. Right. So great passage there. We can get into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and just like expressing the genuineness of our faith, even to the point of someone asking not even just for ourselves, but certainly for ourselves, but also others. Mm-hmm. When we see other Christians that have a genuine or such such we think is a, a genuine um, confession of their faith, this person even referenced someone like a fallen leader that has had, you know, fell in, you know, especially uh, after he died, Ravi Zacharias. Someone yeah. that we look back and go, man, there was that Christian. Yep. And he, he's one of many we could reference, yep. whether ourselves or others professing their faith, yeah professing our faith but still living and wrestling with sin. Yeah. How do we combine or understand those things in light of what it means to practice righteousness? Yep. That's really good.
0: And part of even where so I, you have to take you have to take John's words in this text also in light of the words that he himself writes in the same letter and in his gospel and in light of the rest of what Scripture reveals the whole counsel of God. So even in John's letter, and I find it helpful because it creates this tension. If you were just to read this passage we had yesterday, you would walk away with the impression that like Christians, once they become Christians, they don't sin they don't anymore. Don't sin, sure, yep. <laughs> hey, Like yeah. they are, yeah. they are free from sin. They don't practice sin. How can you? How can you continue in sin when you've become a child of God? You have the seed of God abiding in you. How? How could you continue that? Um So I'm really thankful that at the beginning of John's letter, you have the same apostle in the same letter writing to the same group of people. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Yeah. So he he's combating two related but distinct errors that we would have in, in our view of sin. And one is perfection, that we become perfect when we're children of God. And so especially in chapter one, he's saying we are not perfect and don't lie like you are perfect. You, you have sin, make sure that you acknowledge your sin. And he says there though, uh, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive it and cleanse yeah. us of all unrighteousness. Yep. This text from yesterday is is the error is not perfection, perfectionism. The error is um, an apathy, an indifference towards sin. It's saying, hey, now that I'm a child of God, it doesn't really matter how I live. Yeah. Uh, and, and John is saying here, no, like you, you, it really does matter how you live because your practices are proof of who your spiritual father is. Like you, mm-hmm. you live out your real identity. And if you really are a child of God, you will do what is right and you will love your brother. Mm-hmm. As, as those are the kind of the two litmus tests that he gives in, in chapter three, verse 10. So that does create this tension of, especially including this quote that I threw in there yesterday, a Christian might fall into sin, but he does not walk in it. Yeah. So I think we all would maybe, and these two people asking these questions, we'd we'd all maybe have a a relatively easy category to say, okay, we're going to make mistakes. Sometimes we're going to sin in instances and we're going to need to repent of those sins and then, and confess and and believe that we are cleansed from our righteousness and continue in. The murky area is for most people is probably the, what about the the sins that are kind of my besetting Hmm. habitual sins that I come back to? Yeah. Um, And we all have probably a couple that we would say, you know, even a great way to kind of gauge what our mind would be like when we have our time of silent confession on a Sunday morning when we're gathered together, what are the first couple things that kind of always come to your mind? Sure. Um, you know, for some of us, it might be lust for some of us. It might be anger for some of us. It might be pride mm-hmm. for some of us. It might be passivity like it, like we're just bent to sin <laughs> in a certain way. And yeah. we, we, we tend to keep going back to those sins habitually more than others. Sure. I think that's maybe the, the gray area. So, um, man, that's a great discussion, um, in-depth discussion. Hope hopefully you guys will have you know time in your Bible studies to unpack that more. Uh, I would say that there's a really important difference between um, between weakness and and presumption, and I think that's what I'm always trying to to discern in my own life and and pastorally as we're invited into other people's lives is is the habitual sin. Uh, a, a weakness like you just are you just are susceptible to temptation in that area of your life mm-hmm. you are experiencing growth <clears throat> and you're sinning less but you're not sinless in sure. that area you you and you you are inclined to sin in a, in a similar way i think there is a weakness to that i think there are besetting sins that pe- that that each of us struggles with a handful of yeah in different ways and hopefully less and less so but over the course of our whole life that's very different from what I would say is presumption, um, or this kind of apathy or indifference towards sin where you just kind of embrace it and say, you know what? I'm close enough. I'm a, mm. I'm a Christian. I believe the right things. I believe in Jesus. This is just part of my life. And I think it's just going to always be part of my life until I die. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, and I'm not, I give up the fight against it. Mm-hmm. I give up really what is true repentance, which is a turning away from it. And mm-hmm. I just kind of, um, I just kind of give it quarter, you know, in my life. I just kind of say, I, I become resigned just to say like, mm. this is just it. This is just part of my life. And I wish it wasn't, but it is. And so be it. Yeah, That's a dangerous place to be. I think that's, that's the idea of practicing sin, walking in sin, because you're at that point actually not repenting. You're actually not, um, yeah. you're not taking, <clears throat> you know, Jesus speaks in hyperbolic terms, in the Sermon on the Mount about cutting off your, your hand if it causes you to sin or tearing out your eye if it causes you to sin. Um, it's hyperbole. He's not saying literally do that. But he's, he's essentially saying a Christian is not perfect, but they are someone that practices righteousness. And part of that practice of righteousness is they are they are fighting hard against sin their whole life. They are yeah. putting to death sin in their life, especially those habitual sins that keep surfacing. Yeah. They're, they're, they're actually taking aggressive steps and action to put that sin to death. Yeah, That's a bunch that I'm... Yeah, I can talk longer, yeah, but like, let's pause yeah. there. Like, what's what's your what's your response to that? How how can I flesh that out more? Yeah, I mean, the phone's lighting
1: up right now to so take a <laughs> couple calls. No, um, I, I think that's I think it's right. That's a, I know Romans seven was referenced, and Romans seven is a pretty rich chapter. It is. There's a lot in there. The first thing when I saw the questions that came to mind for me from Romans seven was where Paul's writing. You know, I, um, I, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree, as the law is good. Um, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I don't do what I hate. I do. It's like that, you know, a Christian is someone who actually is in that fight, you know? So any, any one of us that goes, man, the thing that I don't want to do is what I'm doing. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm more have to think that that's kind of a hint that the person actually has a faith that they're wrestling with, like for a genuine sure. faith. Yep. Um, because there is this, if we think about the, the umbrella being, you are declared righteous. Yep. Um, in being saved in, in 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 Christ, your your salvation is secure. Yeah. So you are righteous from the from the point of security mm-hmm. of your salvation. The experience on the ground of that righteousness, we could look at any moment, and anyone who's, you know, so if a camera was on us in every moment of our lives, you'd be like, hey, here's a moment where it looks like Matt or Steve are just like expressing that righteousness and that looks really honorable and faithful yeah. and just. Yeah. And right and good. Oh, there's a moment where Matt or Steve is expressing something that looks like sin. That yep. looks like looks like anger. It looks like pride. Looks like greed. Looks like lust. Whatever it may be, and so we we be able to call or maybe score something as more righteous or more sinful. That's the that's the experience of, of any person. Yep. The Christian is the one who wrestles with that. Yep. And who goes, man, this thing that I don't want to do, I'm doing again. If it's habitual, yep. is it something I'm I'm consistently having to repent of? Yep. Actually, when you're repenting of it, that's a really good thing. If you're bringing yeah. it to repentance, that's showing that you have a, a faith that is one of salvation. Yeah. Um, so that that's what came to mind. It's you good. know kind of Romans seven. Like the I, I think that's maybe where some of the first references were. At least one person even said verse fifteen, which is where that was.
0: And there's there's a similar um, th- thought in Hebrews ten. Maybe I'm I'm forgetting the specific chapter in Hebrews where <clears throat> where the author of Hebrews says. You have not yet resisted sin to the point of shedding blood. Hmm. That the, in, in essence, like get in the fight, like, like, like perfection is not the evidence that you are a child of God, but like getting in the fight is yeah. resisting sin is fighting against it is because fighting against it is part of the, you know, even like destroying the works of the devil, like actually participating in that work. Jesus appeared to do. John writes about in this text to destroy the works of the devil you participating in that to put that sin to death and fighting is also evidence that you are, it's part of your practice of righteousness. Yeah. You're not perfect in your practice of righteousness and you're repentant when you're not, uh, when you do sin. But practicing sin is just kind of this idea of embracing it as a habit, embr- um, stopping fighting against it. Sure. And just kind of resu- resignation. The resignation, the apathy, the indifference. Just like, you know what? Like, I'm just an angry person. I'm going to be angry my whole life. Yeah, sure. Um, just a lustful person. So I'm going to be lustful my whole life. I'm going to, you know, um, which you will like if those, in those things in particular are very deep seated. Uh, they have roots really deep in our hearts and there's, you know, brain chemistry, there's all kinds of kinds of things around why those things become regular, you know, recurring sin patterns in our life. But, um, but like they, um, we have to keep fighting against them. We have to keep, Recognizing that they are sin, they are offense against God, it's lawlessness. That's what John says in this text. Um, and seeking to put those things to death. I think mean, the minute that we stop fighting, that's when the concern starts to kick yeah. in of like, oh, are you are you embracing this? Because yeah. children, children of God don't embrace this.
1: Yeah, to the point of I started smiling as you're telling that yeah. um because it reminded me of the a story I heard a pastor tell years ago where that the, the proclivity we have toward that can even sometimes be this badge of honor that Christians carry around. Yeah. You know, he told the story of, you know, kind of gathering some people looking for, um, you know, someone to lead the children's ministry. Yeah. And they asked someone in the room and the person kind of like, kind of said, oh, pastor, you don't want me. I'm, I'm so prideful. I'm so angry. Like I could never instruct children. And it's kind of like this, almost as if the sin was like a justifiable excuse to not be faithful in service. Sure. And the pastor said, so I just like put him on his heels by saying, if we had anyone better, do you think we'd choose you? You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, the, it's like we we do sometimes in this twisted way yeah. actually yeah. take this apathy and, and resignation and we kind of turn it into its own um, self-perpetuating excuse to yep. deal with it. Yep. Um, now, that's not everybody. That's just some people. And maybe, you know, I don't know if the story resonated as much, but um, I, it reminded me of that. Let's, let's think about... Um, how do we then, before we get to like the second question that I want to ask here in a moment, let's take this and apply it. We're looking at ourselves and we're looking at others, but we're looking at it from our point of view. Yeah. So this is helping us understand where we're wrestling with sin. How do we also do that when we just think about others wrestling with sin? Yeah. This person referenced Robbie Zacharias. And so we could, we could name any number of people, including yeah. ourselves. Yeah. For people that we look and go, the closer you get to know people, you start to see things that could feel like hypocrisy. Yeah. You know, um, how do, how are we supposed to perceive other people's wrestlings with sin? Someone who we know is a, either a a self declared Christian or someone we believe is a Christian or even following them as a informed believer. um, But we see them wrestling with sin. What do we do with that?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, I think it's important to, to maybe differentiate too, that the, the real issue with a situation like Ravi, for example, uh, is not that he was sinful, but it's maybe some of the specific kinds of sin and then maybe even more so that it was like covered up and that he was in a sense too big to fail yeah. like almost Protecting like we have to protect yeah. this we can't like let people know that there's some patterns here that are concerning um, that's maybe the real miss in that regard that there and that even that there was an environment created where oftentimes it's oftentimes when like a like a bigger, externally visible and like horrifying sin in some in some ways like like Robbie at least has been accused of and I think substantiated in some ways. Um, when that's the case, it's because there's been a pattern for a long time before that of number one, not enough accountability, but number two, not even the atmosphere that that invites uh especially Christian leaders to actually be honest about the sin they're still struggling with. Mm. Like if we put Christian leaders on a pedestal that expect perfection, like if yeah. we commit that yeah. one error that John addresses here yeah. and I, you know, this is, I'm thankful for mentors in my life that have, that have you know drilled this thought into my mind and for the environment that we have, Steve, like with our elders here and that, that, you know, we've had across the Liberty communion for years <laughs> and X 29 pastors across the, the, the area in central Pennsylvania where it's like, Hey, we do care about holiness. We are going to pursue holiness. We are not going to excuse sin in our lives, but you are not expected to be perfect here. And it's way better if you're, if you're honest about the sin you're still experiencing in your life so that we can walk together and fight together against it as opposed to like, Hey, if you tell me that you're struggling with some kind of sin, my lens is now, um, you're out. How do I disqualify you right away? Right. Because you're not perfect. That creates an atmosphere where people who are struggling with sin don't talk about it, right. which drives it deeper and darker underground, and then it and then it like blows up sometime down the road in like a massive external thing, yep. like you know affairs or you know <clears throat> like massage part, like whatever whatever the specific thing is. Um, so I think a huge aspect of it is like, are we creating the atmosphere where people are not expected to be perfect, where we're we're open and honest about the things that we're sinning with, without excusing it, mm-hmm. without without resigning ourselves to being sinful. We need environments of authenticity where we are both honest and and fighting hard against sin together.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I I I think that's really well said. And um I think that's important that every one of us as individuals do that. Yep. You know, create this environment in your community, in your friend groups, you know, in your circles. Also that should be our perspective for us as individuals that when we see someone in sin, um, not being indifferent toward it, but not being surprised by it. For
0: sure. That's you know? a and yep. there's
1: probably something that is um, at the, you know, it's, it's sin. It's ultimately like part of our fallen nature and the corruption of the goodness that we should want and pursue toward each other. But I think maybe it's even culturally uh, made worse, you know, is that we compare ourselves and we, you kind of like to build people up to knock them down. And it's huh. there's something cultural when it's like when the when like the the person on the pedestal fails. There's something that actually is sure. the mob turns quickly. Sure, you know. Um, yeah, and so I, I, and and I think that's happens culturally. It probably also happens in the human heart. Yeah, that even Christians sometimes we can see someone who falls. Yeah, and there's something in us that we have to combat from this like aha, I, I knew it. Like I knew that person wasn't perfect. And it's like well, actually, yeah. You shouldn't have ever believed that they were so perfect. Right. Um, or if we get to a point, you know, was it last Sunday? This idea of like, don't follow the teacher, follow truth. Yeah. Or as two Sundays ago, last yeah. Sunday. Yeah. You know, I so said if we ever find her, that's how do we know that that's happened? Yeah. Well, when someone falls, if that's so shocking to us, not that it wouldn't be discouraging. Sure. Not that it wouldn't be something that's grievous. Yeah. Someone like Robbie. I mean, I don't, we could open the door and talk to Robbie for a long time, which we really shouldn't. It's not our place to do so, but sure. we can always comment on it in an appropriate way. Ravi Zacharias for me was like a huge influence for you in growing yeah, up. Like a right. huge influence. Yeah. So do I look at that, you know, if I'm if I go, no way, there's no way that could happen. Right. Well, that actually might show that I was putting him on a pedestal in a way that really wasn't helpful or right yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. Um so we should both we should like grieve when people fall or when they wrestle with sin, but we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And if we have that right perspective, we probably pursue Relationships with better lines, with better like like the person yeah. I don't know. It's like, hey, follow what they're saying, but don't make them a celebrity status. Yeah. The person that I do know that's closer to me, that can build a relationship. My relationship shouldn't be built upon my idealistic perception of them being perfect. Yeah. Like we should actually not be surprised when we see each other wrestling with sin. Yeah. The Christian the Christian message is not about God has made me able to live the perfect life. Right. It's that now we have a. We have a we have a solution for the sin that we have. That's right. So um, that's right.
0: And yeah. a, and, an ad, and an identity that's been changed so that we actually can pursue righteousness, even if we're not arriving at perfection until yeah. until Jesus comes again. So I think that's you have a great grid even to to do care in community with each other in First John in the hey are we actually being honest that we don't have any do we only talk about sin as a past tense thing like hey mm. back in the day before I was a Christian or when I was young and immature in my faith yeah. I sinned. no like. Yeah. Sin is present. It's a reality. Yeah. Uh, if you're struggling to figure out what your sin pattern is, you just can't come up with anything. Then it's self-righteousness <laughs> yeah. almost guaranteed. Like we, we can fill in the blank for you. <laughs> like you're, you know, like we have uh, a guess. We have we a guess. Have a guess. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, uh, and there's also sins of omission, right? There's yeah. also like, there's all things that we're called to do actively in our life that we hold back from. We're too passive. We're not engaged in mercy adjusted. Like there's all kinds of things, right? Um, so if we only talk about sin as a past tense thing, then we have the grid of, first uh, John one, like, Hey, let's confess, like, there is sin in us. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest about it. Let's confess our sin. When we do, Jesus is faithful and just. He forgives us our sin. Um, when, when people are, when you start to sense in community that people are becoming apathetic towards sin or just embracing it. Um, and as you get to know people, friendship wise, or maybe through Bible study groups over time, you do maybe start to get a sense of what people's, recurring besetting habitual sins are. Yeah. And I think you, we do have a place in each other's lives to step in, um, and try to help each other fight that sin. Yeah. Now, like here's a great practical example. What, what, um, fellow elder Andrew Dimsky is leading in the conquer series group. There's men from our, from our church family and from the broader community jumping in to fight a very common besetting habitual sin that men and women experience. But this group is particularly a men's group. Um, Combating um, different forms of sexual addiction, but primarily pornography addiction, yeah. and so that's a great example. Like people that return to the sin of pornography, and I like I, this is my story too. I know that sin struggle particularly in my own life, um, and so there's a need for people to then, with grace and an environment that that says you're not, you don't surprise me by mm-hmm. your sin. Yeah, um, I don't want you to lie about the fact that you still have sin in your life. I want you to confess it. But also, as a child of God, let's practice righteousness. Let's yeah. let's by doing the work which is substantial. Let's do the deep work at the heart level, but also the practical level to fight against this and holy and you know provide uh, relationship based accountability and, and touch points. And, and I mean, there's all kinds of approaches to how to fight sin and do that do that work. Um, but let's do that together. So yeah. that, that's an example, even of like how we even like I'm, I'm incredibly encouraged by the example of the men that are going through the conquer series right now. And people that are pursuing similar kinds of work elsewhere yeah. in our congregation that like, that's you are, I just want to encourage you. Like if you're doing that and you're putting that kind of work in, that is practicing righteousness, yeah. that you should have assurance that you are a child of God, just by the fact that you are um, willing and and, and, and diving into fighting that, that habitual sin in your life. And yeah. I think that's the grid we need to have for it. Yeah. Um, I think where I would get concerned is if someone just went, you know what? It doesn't matter. And it's just going to be part of my life forever. And I'm, I'm out yeah. on the fight. That's when I'm concerned. Like, what does that say about your actual identity? Your yeah. real identity? Yeah. And it's not just the big, the big sins, right? The ones that like get
1: on the front page of the paper. It's mm-hmm. like you're, when you become indifferent or apathetic to just the, the sins that are common to probably any person, you know, the greed, Anger, yep. resentment, right? Jealousy. Yep. Yeah. Let, let me let me transition to the other question. Yeah, so that These two questions came in. This felt like a little bit of a uh, kind of a separate question. So yesterday's sermon, and we're always preaching to believers primarily on a Sunday morning. Sure. Um, we want our messages. We, we always love when there's non-Christians, visitors that come. We're primarily the services for those in, in the community of, of God. Well, let's actually take this question, apply it. Primarily, how we would interact with non-Christians? Yeah. Or how is there something that somebody's maybe either loosely familiar or unfamiliar with, with the faith? How yeah. do we present this message, this reality and truth yeah. that there is there is a dichotomy? Yeah. You have either one father or the other. Yeah. You're practicing either righteousness or sin. Yeah. You have a you have a, a, a eternal destination yeah. that is one or the other, yeah. heaven or hell. Yeah how do we present this in a way or talk about this? Yeah. Uh, It's not about wooing. It's just like, how do we help non-Christians understand this in a way that can be helpful for them?
0: Yeah, that's really good. I do think that sometimes we can get so bogged down in nuance that we fail to, to present the dichotomy as clearly as it, as we need to. I do think the dichotomy needs to be evident. I do think it, I do think there are key moments with people that are not Christians that it just that it because I think that's not clear to a lot of people so I think it's actually at some point it falls short of loving people to kind of be too nebulous and not clear enough that like they can be somewhere in this general middle of like I'm a good person and I believe that there is a God and some things about God but not everything that Christianity but like I think we can for good intent and trying yeah. to care about people and trying to be hospitable and engage right which we should like all those things yes but I think sometimes we can so back off of the, the fact that there is a an either or dichotomy of a spiritual reality. We either our children of God or children of the devil. Yeah. I think the posture we take with that, and it should always be one of humility. Like, Steve, I am a child of the devil apart from the intervening mercy of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like this is not me saying, like, yeah, there's good people and bad people. It's like, there's there's... Sinful people that are either repentant or unrepentant and yeah. that sinful people that either look to Jesus or don't look to Jesus for their salvation. I think yeah. that's like, so the the humility of this, you know, we've used this phrase beggars showing other beggars where to find the bread. Like if, if we lose that posture, I think that's where, that's where the dichotomy becomes self-righteous and, and, and judgmental in a way that it's not meant to be, yeah. that should not, that it should not be as opposed to the dichotomy being, Actually merciful to say, I'm actually concerned for you, and I want to make it clear that this like part of my effort yesterday because I, I mostly agree with what you said about the service being for believers. There's a maybe I'm a little bit more like I always want to be also speaking to people in the room that are not that are not Christians yep. and very attentive and hopeful of the fact that there are people there like that. Yesterday where that played out more in the sermon was even using like there, there are people that identify themselves as Christians and even use the language of being born again that, that I think have not a real sense of what that means. Mm. Um, and it's just become kind of a label that like kind of applies to certain people in like Protestant evangelical worlds. And they're like, they're born again, Christians. Like, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so I think there's a lot of confusion out there about that and what it means to actually be someone who is born of God, born again, um, a child of God. So, I, you know, um, that's a start to the question. I think I would, I would want to make sure that there is a dichotomy that's clear. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, too, it's important to, to, I think, what we've been talking about, to, to own that Christians are not perfect that we are, at least in that sense, sometimes hypocritical. We don't live up to the standard that we profess and, and proclaim. Um, And also to make sure we're always checking ourselves that we're not, Christianity is not moralism. Like we're our primary goal is not to take people that are not Christians and change their behavior. (laughs) It's to see them, to, to see them mm. rescued from the fatherhood of Satan and adopted into the, the family of God. Like it's, it's that yeah. they actually would come to believe in Jesus and become children of God. Yeah. So I'm actually way less concerned with the behavior of people that don't profess to be Christians. Mm. I'm I'm way more interested in the conversations with them about what do they believe? What do you do with Jesus? Do you understand what Christianity is claiming, what Jesus claimed when he yeah. walked on this earth, his death and resurrection in particular, um, what do you do with that? And yeah. then let's talk about what the behaviors are that flow from that identity. Yeah. If I'm that. starting with the behavior piece first, I'm like, I'm, I'm at the wrong target. I mean, not, not that you can't talk about those things conversationally, but like, I'm not trying to turn, um, someone that's not a Christian into a moralistic person that looks like a Christian on the outside. Right. That, like, yep. that's, that's, yep. that's turn, that's turning them into Pharisees. That's, that's like a Pharisee turning, turning people into more Pharisees. It's just a, so i'm i'm primarily concerned in my interactions with non-christians to 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 think about what what do they understand about jesus and what do they believe about jesus yeah yeah
1: there's a there's a direct connection between the new heart that a christian receives and the behaviors they exhibit in their lives both those things i think we need to engage unbelievers with yeah uh, but it's more about the heart than, yeah. than, than the behaviors. Yeah. So again, the, 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 door in the conversation, whatever the hook in the conversation could be either. Yeah. You know, if we broke it on just those two areas, the heart or the behaviors, yeah. we'll be ready to engage people in both of those areas. Yeah. But you're just trying to get to the heart primarily. Yeah. So if you start with the heart, Hey, you're already there. Be talking about the heart yeah. and out of that will come the behaviors. If you can talk about the behaviors, go to the heart yep like get in there first yep. and then work yourself backward to the behaviors yep um and i think that that requires a lot of humility um on our part you said before like we're, we're beggars trying to tell other beggars where to find the bread yep. it takes a lot of humility to do that we should embrace that um it should it, it requires i think like a big a big confidence and a big belief yeah um in the faith like we can't People will not be convinced if we just go. Yeah, this is uh, you know it's working for me. Yeah, it could work for you too. Maybe we're right. actually, like you do actually have to believe that there yeah. is one way of. There's a right and a wrong. Yep. Here, there's a righteousness or a sin. Yeah, you have to actually believe that. Yeah, you can't just offer someone an option. Yeah. Um, but it also requires like I think sometimes a context for the for the uh the road you're on with someone. Yeah. Um. Yep. Sometimes there are. There are behaviors there are, you know maybe moments where we need to engage people in a way that feels very uh strong, yeah? Um, ramp it up. So, someone who's you know out there uh advocating for uh you know the murder of babies in the room, sure. hey, go ahead and just like talk quickly about how that is not a behavior sure. that reflects well the heart of God for his people and what he would expect from them, yeah, and the heart of a Christian, even yeah. Um, there's also times where it takes a longer view. Yeah, that when we see people living in sin, our goal is not to go quickly hit them over the head right. and like put them into a concussion to change For their sure. mind about the foolishness of their behavior. For sure, but it is to like share with them a better way. Yeah, you know, a, be- a better way, and that's where it goes back to the heart in that regard.
0: Absolutely, and I and I think that's the long view is a great point to that too because it's I think I think a long view with with clarity front-loaded clarity (laughs) (laughs) front-loaded clarity with a long view yeah I think I think where we sometimes stumble over that is we think well someday I'll make it clear like someday I'll be able to explain to them that there are yeah there actually is a a kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world they're actually are children of God and children of the dead like I in some you know it's like I think as much as you can in conversations with people have a long view but also like have have some clarity there um because i i think sometimes we um we talk ourselves out of we it here's here's the reality we 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 put too much stock in what we're going to be able to persuade someone with mm-hmm. but one yeah. way or another yeah and i think the reality is which is true for my life your life it's it's the holy spirit that has to do immensely powerful work that we cannot do yeah and so i don't Yes. Yes. To the point of like discernment in the moment in conversations, it's not always a first conversation. Here's the, you know, here's the, the, the the way of salvation. Here's the Romans road. Here's like, you can conversationally get to Mm -hmm. the truths of the gospel in a lot of different ways. But I think the, the clarity piece needs to come into that conversation with people even if there's a long view for them to like do something with that clarity and especially a long view for their life to line up with the practice of righteousness in response. Like, you know, that, that's the, that's the long view especially. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's good. These were good questions. Um, and I hope we've done, hope we've done a, a good job answering them as they were asked. Um, if they, if they spur some other questions, uh, in your, in your minds, please raise them. Uh, we love engaging with the questions after sermons and, uh, please get those into us by Monday morning at the latest when we always record these on Monday morning. So, uh, Matt, thanks for preaching yesterday. It's been a good series. We're in Holy Week. We're looking forward to Easter celebration coming up Yeah. Um, after Good Friday and Holy Saturday. So, uh, we we'll look forward to seeing everyone later this week for worship. And, uh, yeah, enjoy a great week. It should yeah, be a great week. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. And uh, there's questions, Steve. You always put those together on that Google Doc for your Bible study group. So hopefully those will prompt continue a good, good conversation. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to this week. Sweet.
1: See you then. Bye, yeah. everyone. Take care, guys.
0: Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.